Good morning, my fellow Appalachians from around the world. Thanks for tuning in. We are ready to unwrap the deck of today. But first, here's a look at what we have in store. Apple March Event Madness is upon us. iPad Pro. AirTag. Apple TV. AirPods. Are you getting it yet, George? I think I get it. I think this is the annual event where I'm going to be looking at Apple and say, shut up and take my money. <laughs> the iMac Pro is also officially dead. Ming-Chi Ko is back at it again with yet another hefty leak dump regarding new iPhones and Apple's rumored AR VR device. Also ahead, Apple Watch saves a man's life after he breaks the ice in this week's edition of Watch What Happens. All that and more, let's check in with Mr. George Elias, our special guest today. George, how are you doing? I am doing amazing, Brom. It's been a pretty incredible uh, last few weeks. Uh, I tried to kill your MacBook Pro a few days ago, but we'll get into that probably later on in the episode. Life's been good, dude. Life has been good. We're, we're living on the edge trying to kill uh, Apple's computers over here. <laughs> That'll be a fun story. But first, we have to dive right into our first story, which is the rumored Apple event, which will be taking place on March 23rd. Now, interestingly enough, George, I'm going to share an interesting tidbit with you. If you're a follower of the show, a regular follower, two weeks ago, two episodes ago, I was on with Mr. Will Sigmund, excellent friend of the show, and we were trying to pinpoint when exactly this rumored March event might happen. And what I did is, given the information that Will had with supply chain nonsense, the fact that Prosser and other notable leakers were saying it would not happen on the 16th, even though we first thought it was happening on the 16th, that narrows it down to three weeks. Three possible weeks that it could happen, assuming it's going to happen on the regular Tuesday. We factored in the supply chain stuff. And what conclusion did we come to? We came to the 23rd, interestingly enough. And now we have leakers like King, which has a 97.8% accuracy, including the Apple track friend of the show, Sam. Thank you for that. He is saying that there is, is in fact, going to be a March event on the 23rd. So we were right. We predicted that. You looked into your crystal ball and it was floating and it was charging with air power and it was charging also with a special <laughs> kind of MagSafe. Call me Mac Daddy. Mac Daddy, Mac Daddy <laughs> Brom. There you go. So there's a lot of questions that people are having about this March event. Um, some people are asking, will it be a press release like last year's 2020 iPad Pro, or will it be a full-blown virtual event? Is it going to be one of those prepared, scripted video presentations that we saw for pretty much all of last year, beginning with WWDC? Um, I like the virtual event format because it is so well-prepared. It's jam-packed, and it's more accessible. Um, what were your thoughts on that, George? I think it's really interesting. Apple has definitely set the bar for virtual events and conferences. Like, in the past, WWDC has been an incredible event. I've always wanted to go ever since, like, 2011. Yeah, I should have gone. That was Steve Jobs' last appearance, but whatever. I'm over it now, sort of. Maybe. I don't know. Maybe not. Um, but Apple has definitely set the bar when it comes to virtual conferences, the editing, the, the cinematography of these events are absolutely incredible. And I, 
I love these events. However, if it's just like, look, we just need to get the products out. We need to get it done. We can pull a MacBook Pro uh, 16 inch and just release it into the wild with a bunch of YouTubers interviewing uh, um, Phil Schiller. Well, and that and that's a, that's a good question, George, that you brought up. Is you know how drastic are these updates going to be? If it's just a spec upgrade for the iPad Pro, is is it really worth you know putting on this whole event for it? If they're going from uh, A12 to A14X, then you know what's the point of having a whole press conference for telling us that it is seventy five percent faster? We already get it. The M1 chips are incredible. And those those who care are going to read it anyway. Yeah, exactly. So it's exactly. one of those things where if, if it's not this groundbreaking new design, you know, it, how important is an event? In addition, in it, well, in addition to that, I think people just love hearing Tim Cook say, good morning. <laughs> That's always missing in my day. I need to make that my alarm clock. Good morning. We're so thrilled and so excited. Now we have... Kang here, he has, again, he has a 97.8% accuracy according to Apple Track. Thank you, Sam Cole, friend of the show. Now, he is saying, he is credited with uh, HomePod Mini, MagSafe, and the specs for the iPhone 12 line. He correctly predicted all this before the event, so he, he knows what he's talking about. Um, again, amazing rating. He is predicting an iPad Mini Pro. So he's, that's what people are dubbing it. He's saying it's going to be an iPad Mini with an edge-to-edge design. So a larger screen sort of sort of adopts that new modern design language with the, the industrial design language, the, the flat edges and things like that. Um, the consensus among all these leakers is the iPad Pro will feature an A14X, which is just basically M1 optimized for iPad and uh, upgraded display with mini LED. That's not to mention uh, 5G as well. So again, do you think these are worth an event or just a press release? Just going off of that. Just going off of that, I think that's worth an event. I mean, Apple, when they released the iPad Mini, I believe, I, man, you're making me want to go back and rewatch all the old keynotes now. Um, <laughs> I believe the iPad Mini was not a solo event. I believe they announced something else at that initial event. Yeah, it was the new Retina MacBook, I believe. Was it? The the Retina MacBook Pro. Oh, wow. Okay. Who'd have thunk it? Um, <laughs> in, 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 in any case, uh, they will obviously, if they, even if they just throw in an Apple Watch spec upgrade and an iPad Mini Pro, I think that's enough to warrant a full event. Dude, I've only owned my new Apple Watch Series 6 for a couple months, for like six months. If they do a spec upgrade on the Apple Watch, I will lose it. It's probably, <laughs> dude. But then, but then people like me are going to be like, "Yes, we held out for the right time." True. That's what you're waiting for. Yes, I am. And on top of that, on top of that, look at what they did with the MacBook Pro 16 inch. I know I keep talking about this back in 2019. <laughs> they released a spec upgrade in August, and then come December, everyone who bought in August completely hates themselves because of M1. No, uh, in 2019 with the 16. Oh, back in 2019. Yeah, yeah, back when back when we were still believing that Intel was actually going to do something good, <laughs> while they were busy resting on their laurels. Exactly. Now we have Mr. John Prosser, who uh, who comes in, you know, at a slightly lower. I want to say slightly, <laughs> a lot lower, 88 percent accuracy. He he is saying he's 99 percent sure that this will be an event and a full blown event, not just a press release, and it will be AirTags and iPad Pro for sure. Now he's saying ready. These are products that are ready, but not so sure that they're going to be launched. 
including AirPods and Apple TV. So again, 99% sure that AirTags and iPad Pro will release. And these are products that are ready, but he's not so sure will come out. AirPods and Apple TV. He's been claiming that the Apple TV has been ready since October of 2020. And now he's saying these new iMacs that we've been seeing are a complete wild card. But he's hearing indications that they might be ready. But the, our wild card there is the iMac. Darn. Darn, darn, darn. I think you That's already... your reaction is darn. <laughs> yeah, no, because I'm here. Well, at least for me, I am waiting on the new M1 Max. I'm waiting on a 16-inch MacBook Pro. I'm waiting on a released uh, iMac with, you know, 64 cores and 128 neural cores. I'm just, that's what I'm waiting for. Well, here's what's interesting is, you know, AirTags, you know, the much-anticipated AirTags uh, may be finally here. You know, so now you'll have a fine, you'll, you'll have a way to locate your camera equipment when you lose it, George. You know, it's funny. I don't know if I'm allowed to say this <laughs> on the on the podcast or not, but I literally, as in like the last two, three weeks, just picked up tile trackers because I couldn't wait because I needed to put some stuff on my uh, my lens wallet, my keys and the mailbox key because the whole family seems to always know how to lose it. <laughs> you know, I've been a tile user for quite some time. So no hate on tile. We're just hoping that the Apple ones will be better, you know, okay. integration-wise. Maybe that, that AirPods level, that AirPods level uh, factor of convenience. If that was integrated into a tile-like device, what we think AirTags are going to be, that would be game-changing enough for me. And that would be, you know, the whole take my money. I don't know about that. Right I, I don't know about that, dude. Look at the headphones I'm using right now. They're clearly not AirPods Max. That's what I'm. That's what I'm gathering. Exactly. Oh, for my those goodness. that are, for those that that are only listening to the audio, what are you wearing, George? Uh, right now I'm they look wearing... fancy. Oh, thank you, sir. Yes, these are the Audio Technica ATH-M50 BTs. They don't have mm-hmm. as attractive of a name as AirPods Max or AirPods Pro or anything, but for 150 bucks that I got them, they are in my opinion, some of the best headphones that you can get for general music listening, general uh, audio recording. They're good. They're good workhorse headphones. They have Bluetooth, so you don't have to be in the Stone Age. If I hold my hand up on the left side, it will activate Siri. So it does have nice. Siri, it does have Siri control. Um, but yeah, it's there. They don't have built-in noise reduction, but because the the ear the earmuffs cover my ears perfectly, I definitely, definitely, definitely get a lot of sound rejection from the outside. You know, it, it's a common misconception with the show because it's called Appleosophy. Mm-hmm. It, there's this misconception that that we if if someone isn't all Apple, then we don't want them on the show. The important things like this are like... I've been on three audio. times. That disproves it entirely. <laughs> audio and video uh, and, and even photography. These are things that are that are so subjective. And so you really have to find what fits into your workflow and your budget and, and things like that. So not, you don't want to necessarily say that any one thing is better than the other. It's what it's what someone prefers. So and we, we really, you know, we're going to talk about cameras in a moment and how... You know, Apple may be graining ground towards Samsung with their new Periscope lenses. And, and and so that's a whole other topic. But it just sort of illustrates the idea that, you know, we don't think Apple is superior. It's our favorite and we love reporting on it. But, you know, it, it's important to to 
have a general idea of where the market is at at any given point in time and the fact that competition is really healthy. Oh, we competition like is incredibly healthy. Thank you, AMD. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> I was about to say thank you, Intel. Oh, my gosh, I am tired. Uh, thank you, AMD. <laughs> and thank you, Apple, for, you know, making competition once again in the uh, CPU space. It's yeah, we really appreciate space. it. it. So, it, again, it's all really exciting. Now, we're seeing references to AirTags in the latest uh, iOS 14.5 beta. Um, there's an items tab that mysteriously showed up in the Find My app. This is a good indicator that AirTags are, in fact, ready. So they're coming, George. We'll see. We'll see. <laughs> now, our next story is, in fact, about our old friend, the iMac Pro, George. It's been discontinued. It had its it had its run, but this was a long time coming, in my opinion. Did did you did you okay? Now, why do you say that? Because when it came out, were you like, oh my god, I need to get my hands on this? Because that that was the reaction by a lot of creators is when the iMac Pro came out, it was off. It was thought um, as a stopgap between the the current you know trash can Mac Pro and and the new Mac Pro, which Apple actually flat out said that they were working on, which is crazy because Apple never says what products they're working on, things like that. They they flat out said, this is to quell the thirst for Pro devices while we work on a new Mac Pro. And here's your iMac Pro. So it's, it's kind of, you know, what were your thoughts on that? It's a different, it's, this whole thing is very un-Apple, so to speak. So what are your thoughts? So professionals require professional workloads, professional workflows. Uh, they require support. They require stability. They require all of this rigmarole. And they are annoying. Professionals are genuinely annoying to companies because not only do we make things known, we have some of us or most of us actually have the resources to back up our claims. The iMac Pro, in my opinion, when it was released, like you said, was the stopgap between the trash can and the new cheese grater. Oh my gosh, their names are so horrible for the Mac Pro. <laughs> They're so horrible. I'm so sorry for you, Mac Pro. Uh, you should just go back to the G3 design with the polycarbonate. Anyway. Um, A floating cube. <laughs> no, that's the G4 cube. I'm talking about the G3 polycarbonate that was released in 99 with the HAL event. Oh, yeah, there you go. Yeah, you know what I'm talking about? The one that was like, we have now switched to USB. <laughs> USB. So groundbreaking. So groundbreaking and with Firewire, too. Uh, oh, okay. oh, my goodness. I just lost I just lost my entire train of thought. Oh, there it is. Uh, wait, no. Uh, I caught it. Yes, thank you. <laughs> so the iMac Pro, when it was released, I looked at it and I said, ah, for an extra... $1,500 compared to the iMac Jarvis that I picked up actually from that same event. And there wasn't really much of a tangible, there wasn't really much of a tangible difference between the two. Uh, and the one thing that did bother me and a lot of people did point out is that the RAM on the iMac Pro was not user upgradable unless you were willing to completely void your warranty and just rip off the screen with an without uh, the adhesive remover. So I remember that how just how uh, delicate that process was. Yeah, I've now with the parts readily available, I've done it so many times. It's I feel comfortable with it now. But if you yeah, and I see your face, you're like, oh, keep keep yourself away from my computers. Um, <laughs> but in my opinion. Yes, the iMac Pro was indeed a stopgap. It it has as much as Apple has worked on the thermals of it. 
I think that there is definitely a there was definitely thermal uh constraints uh, when it comes to working with the Xeon chips, going all the way up to 18 core, going and trying to put in a decent graphics card with an 18 core and trying to get the power supply to work together probably would have been a nightmare. The one thing I would be interested in personally is taking those specs or not even not specs, but the same outputs and the same performance and putting it into a redesigned, refreshed M1 version of the iMac, maybe as a 32-inch, maybe as a 27-inch. I've been hearing rumors about both. But again, it was a long time coming. A lot of professionals that I know have the iMac Pros, and now they're probably going to gut them and turn them into displays with little like HDMI adapters. Moving forward on the iMac Pro discussion... They changed up their their verbiage for this a little bit, George. And I really, I really, I think this is interesting. I like this. I think it's genius. In fact, from a marketing perspective, Apple normally when they discontinue a product, um, it just disappears from the store, or it just says out of stock, and that's that. They changed it up this time, George. They went with the verbiage while supplies last. Ooh, mysterious. Yeah, and a lot of people, a lot of people had weird interaction, you know, reactions to this. They said that you know it, it feels cheap, like they're cheapening the brand. Like Apple sounds like big lots now, but but take a look at this. This this is my this is my interpretation of it. If something's discontinued, um, it makes the buyer think that the product is old or outdated, right? Something new and better is coming. It it says in your mind, don't buy, correct? You know, when you have something that says while supplies last, it makes it sound like I need to purchase the item now. Like it's not going to be available much longer. So it, it's uh, it, it, it puts it in your mind, I, I need to take advantage of this. And it also creates this whole collector frenzy thing among the iFreaks like, like myself. But it, it lights up this bulb in your mind of I need to purchase now or it's not going to be available. And it, it sort of pivots the direction of the demand in, in in a different way versus maybe now we have all these units lying around and we discontinued it. So, you know, what the deuce are we going to do with all these? My take on that is that professionals have refresh cycles just like any other company. Uh, when you have Apple and they have the like a refresh cycle on their computer, let's say their uh, MacBook Pro, it's every two and a half-ish years, something like that. Yeah professionals will wait to upgrade their their gear on their own schedule. Sometimes they'll wait on Apple if it's really that important, or they'll wait on another company like Canon, Blackmagic, AJA, uh, sound devices, what have you, or some professionals so that they don't have to worry about FOMO will just upgrade their entire their entire process line, all the gear in their whole system from post-production to, you know, being on set, they'll just upgrade it every three years. I know I've told you that I have an upgrade cycle of every four years. A lot of professionals I know have a refresh cycle of every two years, which I have no clue why. That is absolutely too too close <laughs> for my comfort. But I think they're doing this because, again, this computer is designed for pros. Whether or not they were actually able to follow up with it is a different story. But this computer is indeed designed for pros. And if I'm working in an effects house or I'm working in an edit suite and I need to purchase 15 iMac Pros tomorrow, 
I can't just go onto Apple's website and see, oh, it's discontinued. Oh, well, I guess I'm going to have to go on eBay and buy 15 individual sellers. Yeah. So by having it as while supplies last, yeah, it's obviously they're discontinuing it because they're going to be replacing. I don't know if they're going to be replacing it or if the, again, like I said, the iMac is going to have the same functionality built in, but it's nice to know, at least from a professional, if I did need to go out and purchase 10 iMac Pros for my uh, VFX house or for my editing house, I can go to apple.com and pick up those computers and say, okay, I feel I feel like I can get the job done. Yeah, it's interesting because this verbiage kind of makes it seem like it's a deal, but there's not been there hasn't been any price reduction. And then when you also factor in the specs, which I love that you brought up, it's it's sort of like, you know, last year's iMac, uh, which launched during the summer, yeah. it ate the previous iMac for breakfast. And now you have M1 in these laptops that's eating this iMac for lunch. <laughs> and, you know, so what eats this iMac for dinner? Oh, that's right. The iMac, the, uh, the iMac standard already has... Uh, all the specs of the iMac Pro. It already has the 10 gig LAN. It already has uh, all that stuff. Exactly. Is you know, and so it's it's been no secret that that the iMac Pro it is feels kind of silly in the lineup, given how powerful the existing Intel based iMac is. We can't even imagine what an Apple Silicon would be like. Now, maybe some people just need ECC very well, uh, very much like uh, error checking RAM. That's what it is. So, so that's one of the benefits. What other benefits would you see? Um, as far as going with the iMac Pro versus a regular iMac? Initially, back when it was released, it was the only Apple computer that had 10 gig LAN support, which if you don't know, 10 gig LAN is the um, networking equivalent of Thunderbolt 3 or Thunderbolt 2, uh, excuse me, Thunderbolt one or two uh thunderbolt one speeds but okay it's done over a network so you would have multiple computers connected to one box one giant box of hard drives and they can all access the same drives all at uh 10 gig speeds almost a gigabyte and a quarter per second that is the importance of 10 gig lan now that the standard iMac, I don't, I, I think it's only like a $150, $200 upgrade to go from gigabit LAN to 10 gig LAN. And that right there makes it a professional computer for a lot of professional workhouses. So I don't know. I don't know what uh, the future of the iMac Pro is going to be. I will say that I think the iMac Pro is going to be in the same realm of obscurability and uh, collectors are going to be wanting them similar to how like the G4 cube or the uh, do you remember the iMac G4 where it had like the the CD reader in the bottom and it was like on a floating yeah. stand mm -hmm. you had the commercial where the guy was sticking his tongue out at it yeah, yeah. That, that one that one I think the iMac Pro is going to fit somewhere in that line of like uh, middle ground products that were there just to serve a purpose it's a very unique product it's an admission that apple screwed up <laughs> it's apple's admission of guilt uh it, but it's also the only imac that comes in that very beautiful space gray george which is which according to apple is supposed to resonate with people like you don't you just salivate at the space gray george yeah that 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 stuff resonates like crystal rocks on my head when i'm listening to the astral projection i don't even know what kind of silicon valley uh, uh burning man type <laughs> stuff that they're tr they're smoking up there I've always thought it's 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 interesting though how Apple equates Pro with Space Gray. 
when we all know that it is uh, hot pink. <laughs> that's that's what you're going with when the new iMac launches, correct, George? Oh, 100%. I'm going to get a D-brand. Either that or I'm going to get a D-brand skin. <laughs> that, that pink variant, that rose gold. There you go. <laughs> so moving on from the iMac, would you like to share a little bit, since we're on the topic of Apple Silicon a little bit, would you like to share how you tried to kill my Mac? Yes, I will. T- yes, this is going to be a fun <laughs> one. So a couple days ago, I was finishing editing one of my projects. And because I'm shooting a lot of my stuff in Blackmagic Raw these days, it inevitably did crash my computer. It crashed poor Jarvis, a quad-core i7-7700K from 2017. A lot of 7s in that one. Um <laughs> Lucky number seven, George. Hey, you know what? It's lasted me this long. I think I can hold out a little bit longer with it. But it did crash. It DaVinci Resolve is a great program, but it also sucks. The only video editing software that is stable, in my opinion, is Final Cut Pro. Uh, any professional will tell you, no, Premiere Pro is the industry standard. Yeah, but if it keeps crashing, then I can't get the work done. And if I can't get the work done, I can't get paid. And if I can't get paid... That's no good. So Final Cut Pro for me, all the way, 100%. But the problem is, is that Final Cut doesn't take uh, Blackmagic RAW files. Yeah. Some of you may say, oh, uh, shoot in ProRes. Yeah, but you're not getting the advantages of RAW. And what's the point of shooting on Blackmagic if you're not going to be taking advantage of said RAW? So I have to go into DaVinci Resolve, convert the files to ProRes after I color grade them, of course, because it's backwards, and then I can edit in Final Cut. Now, when I'm doing that conversion from B-RAW to ProRes, if you don't get your settings just right, if the electricity in the wall is a little shaky, if <laughs> if if uh, uh, Cthulhu and Apollo are fighting in the sun and then a little speck of a solar flare comes out, this computer will die and it will take the whole system with you. You've mapped out a workflow that's a very delicate process. Yes, I've, I, I figured it out. I remember texting Brahm at 3 a.m. saying, I got it to work! I got it to work! This man... Has a whiteboard. Two whiteboards. Two whiteboards that look like they're straight out of a Marvel movie, and he's trying to locate the Infinity Stones. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Basically, it's it's no, no, no. You know what it is? I I can't remember if this is from uh, uh, Always Sunny in Philadelphia, but it's like there's uh, is it? I I don't know if this is Mac. I haven't seen the show in a long time. But there's he's just like smoking a cigarette, and he's like there's red there's red wires on the red uh, string on the wall connecting different conspiracy theories. That's basically me minus the cigarette and the alcoholism. <laughs> Just looking at the wall and just like, how do I get this to work? How do I get this to work? Yeah, in, in your version, it's a wheatgrass smoothie, huh, George? Uh, no, in, in my version, it's like six shots of coffee with maybe uh, two sugar cubes. You're copying me. Get out of here, George. And then, 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 then. But I did figure out the workflow, and it does work. It, okay. It, you know, it's 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 like. It's like eating Taco Bell at 6 p.m. You think it's a good idea. You think it's a good idea, but then you're up at 4 in the morning wanting to kill yourself. Okay. So, what does that have to do with this whole situation? So, yeah, so running with the metaphor, where, where is the explosive diarrhea? Is that when your computer crashes because yes, it doesn't work? that's at 4 a.m. Okay, that's the 4 a.m. That's the 4 a.m. wanting to kill yourself. So, yeah, tying, okay. this, the, tying this whole thing back... <laughs> I asked Brom to graciously uh, 
let me remote in and see if I can run Blackmagic RAW footage on his computer, on his gorgeous M1 MacBook Pro. And lo and behold, we tried a bunch of different settings. Uh, am I allowed to say exactly what settings we tested, or is that going to be getting too far into the weeds? I think that would, I mean, that would get into the weeds for most of our viewers. Not to say that most of our viewers aren't educated, but it's it's minutia that, that we could gloss over. It's minutia that we can gloss over, so I'll just make it quick. I went from 6K to 4K, and we tried exporting different formats. We tried ProRes, we tried H.264, H.265, we tried different flavors of ProRes, because those are mostly yeah. the workflows I'm going to be using. I think that's I think that just touches on it just enough. We don't have to go into like the, the crazy gamma curves that we were trying to export in. And... <laughs> The kicker here, and I told Brom this, is that if we can export at about 50% speed, 50% speed of the video, video is usually between 24 and 30, if we can export between 12 and 15, I would be incredibly impressed. And lo and behold, the M1 MacBook Pro did a whopping 12 and a half frames per second when Whoa. it was exporting to <laughs> H.265 or H.264. When it was exporting to ProRes, it was at between 9.5 and 10.5. It was a little inconsistent. But a couple things I wanted to tell Brom, and I we both agree on, this is beta software when we were testing it. This is mm -hmm. a low-powered laptop, and I'm doing air quotes for the people who can't see me, uh, which is all of you. <laughs> and this is footage that is 6K being downscaled at the same time. And it is, it's incredible. Like, Brom, what did you think of the results from exporting B-RAW on your MacBook Pro? Well, I, I thought it was interesting because, again, this isn't a workflow that I would do on my own. I'm not, I'm not that invested on, on the video front as far as color grading and things like that. I do it casually. I'm more towards the, the graphic design, little bit of photography side of it. Nothing too crazy. So I, I lean more towards the casual pro, and you're more of the profession, complete professional cinematographer doing all, all this all this nonsense, right? That's what the normies call it, the nonsense. Yeah, it, it really is nonsense. It's a bunch of snake oil that professionals think because it's like, <laughs> this is a professional workflow. No, it isn't. You just happen to do it from the old film days. Okay, get out here, you old fart. <laughs> but but I love I love working with you because I I learn so much and I I learn what the standards are and just how how great groundbreaking this technology is and and that's why I kind of want to zero in on what you said because when just as an average consumer all I whenever I talk about frame rates it's it's in relation to video capture yeah more often than not on my phone so when I hear twelve frames per second that isn't very impressive at all to me. So how how do you translate that into, you know, sort of explain to someone why it's important for this workflow that 12 frames is actually okay? So, yeah, that's that's a big thing because a lot of people, especially PCMR, is going to say, oh, 12 FPS, I could get that on my overclocked potato that I have sitting in my garage. Well, yeah. when, it, when it comes to rendering a video, when it comes to rendering and exporting a video... It is incredible to be able to export in real time or faster than real time. And what that basically means is one second of video will take one second to convert. That's real time. Faster than real time is if one second of video takes half a second. And slower than real time is when one second takes two seconds. That is what yeah. that is what we're dealing with when it comes to 12 FPS. 12 is half of 24, which is usually the video standard. So... 
for Brahms computer to export at half real time is the same speed as my iMac trying to kill itself every single time we export the videos. And on top of that, I gave Brom the recipe that every single time I run it on my iMac crashes the whole system and I have to do a hard restart. And yet the, the M1 MacBook Pro was chugging along at the exact and and it was within 2 maybe 3 seconds of the export which is unbelievably incredible. Now And that was that was what I was trying to get to is my takeaway was not not how fast it did it because how fast it did it wasn't impressive. It was steady but not impressive. Though it what blew me away was the fact that this computer which prioritizes mainly performance per watt. So it's a low energy notebook is is outperforming a desktop in the sense that what would normally crash a desktop all-in-one PC is running on a laptop and it's doing it steadily you know at a steady frame rate so that in itself was a blow away that no matter how much you tried to jack up the footage you know whatever you threw at it it was it it was chugging along it was it it was fighting long story short we could not get this thing to die we tried to crash my computer it, it, it uh, if you've seen South Park, there's a scene with Randy where he's basically he's standing up, he's bloody. I think he's on the street in his underpants, and he's like, "I didn't hear the bell." That's basically <laughs> that's basically the M1 MacBook Pro at this point. It it really is, you know. It, it's so impressive just to just to watch this, George. The fans barely kicked on. They, I mean, they'd come on for a couple seconds and then shut off. It was like it was shoveling hot air out of there, and then once it did what it needed to do. Um, it, it it was virtually silent the whole time we did this. Mm-hmm. Even when the fans were on, you couldn't even really hear them unless you put your ear up really close. Yeah, exactly. There's another caveat that I forgot to mention. You were on battery power. Yeah. And it only dropped 20% for doing six exports, which yes. for those of you who don't know, that's really impressive. I'd be lucky to get two exports off a full battery on my MacBook Pro. Yeah, it, it's truly remarkable. It's unreal. I didn't. I didn't even factor that in, George. That's an amazing point that it was going off of a battery. So this isn't even peak performance, and you know we only lost twenty percent. On Intel, you, you'd be you'd be thirty five percent left. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So it, some interesting takeaways with that. We also had iOS fourteen point four point one. That's a mouthful, isn't it, George? And that was fourteen point four point one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was released to the public earlier this week, and this was across the board. It extends on over to uh, iPad OS, Watch OS, all that, and it includes this WebKit vulnerability that they have yet to address. It's a security concern, so a bunch of security bug fixes packed into this very small update. It's a stepping stone to fourteen point five, which is still in beta. Um. But again, Apple is keeping this under wraps. I think the reason why Apple does this, they don't disclose what the vulnerabilities are, is they, they want most people to get on the latest version before they tell hackers openly this is what it is. Because, I mean, because imagine if, if they seeded this update the day of, and it's basically like telling hackers like, hey, this is the vulnerability, and guess what? It's still running on 83% of our devices. So it's it's kind of, you know, you wouldn't want them to say. Yeah, they're... they're- 
Yeah, that's why you have a delay in this. Honestly, Apple's really good. Or the Apple customers, I should say, are really good with updating their products. Mm-hmm. Like every, I have the only reason I haven't updated my MacBook Pro to Catalina is because I can't. But it still gets security. I mean, not Catalina. What am I talking about? Big Sur. Uh, it's stuck on Catalina because it is a lovely 2012 MacBook Pro non-Retina. So. <laughs> it's but it still gets software updates it still gets uh software support it still gets security updates that is incredible to me so with with a security with a security update like this i mean i've already talked about in the past how much i love incremental updates that actually just make the whole thing stable yes. as a person who as a person whose you know computer crashes uh it it crashes more than someone getting their learner's permit at 14. <laughs> so it's it's basically it's basically that. I, I just appreciate the, the stability updates. And then, you know, wait six months, tell the whole world, hey, there was a vulnerability, but we fixed it. And since 97% of you guys have already gotten the update, it's no big deal at this point. Well, I, you know, I can tell you, George, I love it as well, because, you know, you, you have things like iOS 12, you know, it doesn't just extend to... The Mac, you have iOS 12 that's still getting, you know, 0.1.1.3 updates and there are security fixes for older devices that may not be able to run, you know, iOS 13 or 14. But basically, I mean, every every device that can run 13 can run 14. So that's not a good comparison. But devices that can upgrade to iOS 13. Not all of them. The iPad Air. iPad Air. This is the one that was left behind. iPad Air. That's iPad OS, George, though. See, I could play semantics with you all day. (laughs) <laughs> yeah 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 but like it was it was no 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 no. ipad air was left behind it doesn't get ipad os and it was the only one that didn't adopt it just the air no. 2 and yet it still actually gets software updates io mm-hmm. ios software updates it gets ios software sound? updates oh my gosh <laughs> it feels weird remember when you has you used to have to pay if you had an ipod touch uh if you had to yes. pay for the software updates it was like ten dollars if if you didn't keep yourself updated or not. Yeah, it, it was. It, it's interesting how, and we didn't really feel it. I mean, it just kind of happened. Apple, you know, pioneered this whole thing where updates are free now. You know, we used to figure like, you know, if you were on Microsoft, it was like, oh, geez, you know, all I have is the student version. Now that I've gradu- now that I've graduated, I gotta buy the business version or the enterprise. You know, it's like if you're on Adobe. If you're on Adobe, oh my gosh. Yeah, I'm not even going to go into that. My friends know how much I... <laughs> George knows he's going to get into the weeds. Yeah, I know I'm going to get into the weeds, so let's, let us let me move on. That's important, though. <laughs> that you, I love that you brought that up because that wasn't something I considered with the with the iPad Air. The iPad Air is, is uh, still stuck on iOS 12. Yes, indeed. And yet it still runs. And it still receives security updates. Now, we have some more Ming-Chi Ko stuff for you, George. I know you love the Ming-Chi Ko stuff. Again, he is the famous TF Securities Analyst. So I'm going to ask you, George, what do you think of these distant future predictions? He's really far-reaching in these predictions this week with his latest leak dump. Ko is saying there is a periscopic telephoto lens coming to the iPhone in 2023. Now, this offers significant improvements in optical zoom. And this would be Apple stepping into the arena to finally compete with others who already have the advantage. These are, of course, our old friends over at Samsung with a 100 times zoom 
and our friends over at Huawei, the Huawei P30 Pro, which ships with a five times optical zoom uh, periscope lens. Now, Apple currently has their telephoto lens calibrated for two and a half times optical zoom and 12 times digital zoom. With the upgrade, it would be competing more with the Huawei at the five times optical zoom. Now, George, mm-hmm. what are your thoughts on this? You're the camera guy. <laughs> if a hundred times zoom, I'm trying to like comprehend that right now because the most my just so you know in the professional world we don't measure things in like x we don't measure things in 10x or 2x so i have to kind of convert the stuff in my head yeah it's kind of like a it's like a consumer buzzword thing that they use yeah exactly so looking at my gear shelf right now i have a 20 millimeter lens and a 200 millimeter lens uh it's a zoom so 7200 that Mm -hmm. between those two lenses i have a 10 times zoom okay so going to what is it a thousand x they said like a hundred times or a hundred times excuse me okay so that would be going out to a 2000 millimeter lens i cannot comprehend that uh that's like a proper telescope that's something you'd get when you're photographing like the milky way or when you're photographing uh the moon and trying to trying to see where nasa placed the flag on the moon well and that's the thing is is when samsung does this you know it's it's coupled with you know obviously these very sophisticated algorithms that help with you know sharpness and smoothing in certain areas um depth mapping things like that you know to put this in a, in a consumer product that like how samsung has it at 100 times zoom we've seen mixed responses from this we've seen people saying you know it's not really worthwhile it's the the photos come out grainy anyways. You know, how important is it really to have something so drastic? You know, do you think it's important for the average, you know, consumer phone, even if it's a pro phone, to have a hundred times zoom, George? Uh, I think people are going to find ways to make it practical. If there's a feature that you can exploit, it people are going to make something cool with it. Uh, I personally think just from looking at my own, uh, just from looking at my own arsenal, for me, I'd rather have a really high quality between seven to 12, 13 times zoom than a mediocre hundred times zoom. But that's just me. That's just me because I, I will pixel peep and I will inspect everything before I go to print. So I don't know. Here's, here's the thing. The way I see this is. Getting in the game is a good start for Apple with these, you know, with these periscope lenses. Apple is getting comfortable on the field so that when no one's looking, they can do what they do best, and that's change the game. Yes, indeed. Right, and we're we're seeing we're seeing these things with their silicon. They're making leaps and bounds over the other guys. They're already breaking five nanometer, working on three nanometer. When other companies are struggling to push seven nanometer, you know, in these phones, not to mention desktops. Um, so, you know, I can imagine, you know, just a few years from now, what will be possible, um, with Apple's latest gen silicon, because it's really just a whole machine learning thing. It's running through these algorithms at high speed so that whenever, whatever you're pointing at can dynamically, like we said, sharpen itself, smooth itself, outline. Yeah. Autofocus. When it, when you're talking about thousand time or excuse me I'm, I'm thinking a thousand millimeter uh, when you're talking a hundred times zoom focus becomes a really big issue. Yeah. So how do you how do you mitigate things like that? 
you need a proper focus algorithm. Uh, I have a camera right here that a lot of people would consider a dinosaur. It's the Canon 70 Mark II. It has the same focusing system as cameras that were used to photograph the 2012 Olympics. Oh my goodness. Wow. I, I can't I can't believe I dated myself. I just realized that was <laughs> almost 10 years ago. Maybe not the best uh, comparison, but still, this focus system locks on properly. So if Apple were to implement something like that with, it's called, it, uh, just for those of you who want to know the technical, it's called face detect. If they could implement proper face detect autofocus similar to what is in like professional DSLMs or DSLRs or cinema cameras, that right there it would be a game changer in my opinion. And I'm saying that as like, if they actually do that, that would be amazing. You know, I think Apple takes really seriously, you know, the amount of space that the phone has and, and what they put into it. It has every little thing they have. It has to be purposeful, every little element. And the camera, again, we say this on the show, the battery and the camera are the two most important things people consider when they buy a new phone. And you see that Apple's really in it for the long haul. We talk a lot about the silicon and what that enables but you also have things like the iPhone 12 Pro Max, which has sensor shift optimization. This is, you know, this is something that you see, you know, in $2,000 cameras, and it starts to make the price of the phone a little more, a little bit, you know, more, more worthwhile. And it puts it into context. Yeah, it puts it into context. And you have things like LiDAR, which enables autofocus in extremely low light conditions. It's not just a fun AR party trick. So they're really invested in core technologies that are actually going to make a difference. We'll see if it actually does make a difference because I've heard mixed reviews about the LiDAR, but we'll get into that at another date. <laughs> what do you, you what you have thoughts about the LiDAR? Yeah, I honestly think that the LiDAR it's cool, but a lot of companies, for example, Canon and Sony, those are the two big ones in the industry, they're able to pull off autofocus that is incredibly snappy, incredibly powerful, locks onto your face, locks on. I have a friend of mine who's done uh, photography work for the uh, National Parks and Services. They wow. he uses he uses a Canon R5 and a 1DX Mark III. And he says that the autofocus is so good with the animal tracking autofocus. So wow. it can it can track the eye of a bison at 50 at 50 or 60 yards. And it will lock on its it'll lock on its eyes, and it will stay there. That's phenomenal. Even if it's going through, even if it's going through the brush or whatever, which is incredible. Now, do they use do they use lidar for that? No, they don't. Um, the if you want to look into this, the DJI Ronin uh, RS2 it does have a lidar system, but it's very finicky and it. Get this, it works best in pitch black darkness. <laughs> so what are you filming in pitch black darkness? Well, that's the thing is, you know, we see Apple, and, and I don't want to say trade-offs because it's more, the word is accommodations. There, there, yeah. there comes, at the end of the day, the iPhone is a consumer product. And, you know, we want it to be thin. We want it to be light. We want it to have excellent battery life. And we want it to be, you know, this this compact camera, the, the best camera that it can be, but also the one that's always with us, right? And so you see, yeah. you know, where do they have to make accommodations when, you know, you can't maybe you can't make the lens a little bigger or you, you don't want the lens to jut out further than it already does. And so you start to ask, well, what can we do to mitigate that? Maybe it's LiDAR, maybe it's, you know, sensor shift, you know, image stabilization, things like that. Um, 
I don't know. Maybe I just maybe I just like holding on to my giant rig and looking like I'm in a power. What is it? A power lifter from the movie Alien? Well, you know what? I th- it's funny because it, it's important. What coming from your perspective, you have a certain taste in your mouth about these core technologies, and so when it when it comes to a consumer product, even though even if it's called Pro, you know the iPhone Pro, it's it, it you can ask some really important questions, and it's interesting to. Um, to compare notes as far as what these technologies are doing on high-end cameras and then what they're doing in the mobile space and and how valuable those end technologies are to the average user. Yeah, and hopefully hopefully some of this uh, professional nonsense and me feeling entitled, like, we want the professional features, it, hopefully that trickles down and it gets something truly extraordinary into newer uh, con- consumer products. Definitely. You know, Ming-Chi Ko has a few other predictions. He's saying by next year, 2021, a new face ID transmitter made of plastic instead of glass will possibly make its way to a new iPhone, new technology. He just says new technologies, but we're we're, we're making the assumption that it'll be an iPhone. Um, It eliminates any distortion concerns, and the end user will probably won't notice much. but this apparently help, helps with uh, production costs. So not really any user benefits, but helps with production costs. So you might see maybe our first low-end iPhone, our first iPhone SE that has Face ID. You may see uh, lots of non-pro prod, you know, products like the MacBook Air or something will have Face ID. It's more affordable to integrate. And, and re- when technologies become more affordable, that's when Apple starts integrating them. You know, within you know within a few years, everything had a retina display. And so you see technologies like that make their way um, to the lower end. And that, that strategy is perhaps most clearly illustrated with the iPad. The, the entry-level iPad and the iPad Air are only becoming more pro, more almost pro every year because all they're doing is grabbing features from the pro iPad and optimizing them um, for whatever silicon they they choose to throw in there, whatever chip. Here's the thing that people don't understand about the the term professional. If you make money with it, it is a professional tool. Now, are there things that a professional needs? Of course. Those needs, while oftentimes being the, there can be like a guiding hand to them, yeah. are entirely are entirely subjective. If it can get the job done for you, it is professional. If it can get the job done reliably, it's even more professional. So when you see someone, when when I see Apple marketing uh, iPhone 12 Pro Max, when I look at Pro, I think, okay, can it get the job done? Can it? Can I start a project on it? Can I finish a project on it? And will the client, and more importantly, well depending on the project you're do- dealing whether you are happy or whether the client is happy it just depends on what uh, the priority is if those three things are met oh and it's reliable like i can guarantee that if i use this i can get something out of it in my books is professional yeah and a lot of people use the 12 pro maxes 12 pro maxes 12 pro max okay a lot of people <laughs> use the 12 pro max as their only camera computer phone it's it's their only device that they use to do their business and they're 
and they're incredibly successful and incredibly powerful in whatever industry they're in. So it's not necessarily about what the tool is, but what you can do with it. And, and I love how you phrase that. It's not about what it is, but what you can do with it. That's that's a great takeaway there, a great great analysis. I think people people have sort of you know taken jabs at Apple with the, the, their use of the word pro. And I love that you're bringing this up because it's such a fun discussion. People have argued that Apple, you know, has has made the term pro synonymous with premium. And it's sort of this way to segment the market. So even like casual pros are going for the pro devices just to kind of feel like they purchased more something, something more premium, something better than, you know, than what the plebeians bought or whatever. And, it, and it's like, I don't, I don't necessarily think that's the bulk of the market. I don't. I agree with more with what you're saying. It's about, you know, how how valuable is this tool? What it, what level of utility can I gain from this? And w- when you're really cemented as a pro, like you said, is when you're making money off of what you can do with that product. Is that product driving your business? iPad is very excellent at doing those things. iPad, I know so many people that have started their own business, their own podcast, their own YouTube channel with nothing but an iPad. And it's not necessarily an iPad Pro. People have done it with an Air. I know these people. And so to hear that it is we're, we're living at a, at a really inspiring time in, in, in space. And, you know, you, you used to hear Steve Jobs say things like, you know, I want Apple to be at the, the intersection of technology and the creative arts. That, that couldn't be more true today. And it's, it's, it's so exciting that all these core technologies are becoming more and more accessible. In short, if you're not making anything with your devices right now, it's your fault entirely. There's no technical limitations for you. Goodbye. And and there and there's there's George's way of packaging it up really nicely so people can people can absorb it with love and care. <laughs> Basically. By 2022, Co is saying rear-facing camera improvements. He's saying a telephoto lens um, is upgrading to seven seven element instead of six element. Um, and then he's also saying Apple will revert back to the unibody lens design. What's new is old again. Or what's old is new again? Which one is it, George? <laughs> they're, they're moving their way back. They're making their way back to the unibody uh, lens design, and that's allowing for the reduction of the front camera module in this case. Sounds like a lot of technical jargon that doesn't really matter. I need to see how it looks and then we'll call it a day. That's and that's the thing is is you know, I posed the question at the beginning for you is you know, what do you think about these leaks that are so far reaching? They 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 define, you know, these these very intricate technologies so broadly as if like, you know, this is this is the way it's going to be for sure. These are the numbers. But that everything's defined so broadly and it's so far reaching. I mean, we're talking you know, something that's years into the future it's it seems almost impossible impossible to predict you know as we speak um there's there's leaks coming out right now about a virtual reality device um that's not even a a a mask or a pair of goggles at all it's a contact lens and apple's going to be ready to do this by 2030 or tw- or 2040 we don't know and it's like you know this this is a certain this is when reporting kind of gets into the weeds is when you have any Joe Schmell on Twitter just sort of saying, well, you know, by 2055, Apple will have flying cars, you know, and it's like, where, where are your sources? 
it, it's kind of reminding me of that scene from Anchorman. Sixty uh, percent of the time, it works all the time. Yeah, it, it's it's just this this whole paradox, and it's it's the leak culture is definitely changing. I won't say that. We have a very special segment for you, George. Are you ready? Uh oh, uh oh. Let's do this. It's let's called do this. Apple Watch. What happened? And we're here to talk about Mr. William Rogers of Summersworth, New Hampshire. Now, William has an interesting profession. He is an ice skating teacher, okay? And he went for a skate alone, and he fell through the ice. But here's where the lessons were learned, George. He had the presence of mind to stay calm and evaluate a situation. That, coupled with a little bit of serendipity, saved him. He had an Apple Watch. Number one, he had an Apple Watch. Number two, the watch was cellular enabled. And number three, he used Siri to call 911, right? So he's wading through this ice cold water. He couldn't have treaded water or made a call with his phone as it would have taken more time and been very difficult, right? Hypothermia setting in. And he knows this because he's an ice skating teacher. He knows how long it's going to take for, for hypothermia to set in. So he was able to convey to the operator on the on the other line after he called 911 he said um here's the situation i'm going to succumb to hypothermia and i may not be able to respond within 10 minutes time well firefighters arrive there in five minutes time and they save him but the important takeaway here is apple watch's emergency sos feature so not only can you press and hold the side button to do this uh, and then slide on the on the slider there but you can also ask siri to, to call emergency services for you. Um, now, Siri will also call automatically call emergency services if you take a nasty fall. Just be sure to enable fall detection uh, when you purchase an Apple Watch. And we talked a little bit about that on the show. When you had your spill, George, when are you going to buy the Apple Watch? Because I'm worried I might lose you. I might lose a best friend of mine. You might die. You might fall through the ice or off a cliff or you know have a heart attack or something. <laughs> uh, you're just you're just throwing all of it at your, me. Your, your blood oxygen might fall too low, and then and then I'll be without one of my best friends, George. <laughs> Man, talking talking to you is like googling my illness on WebMD. <laughs> it's like 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 I wake up. I it's like I wake up one morning with a mild headache, and then you're gonna tell me, "Up, oh, you have brain cancer. You're gonna die. You need an Apple Watch." <laughs> the Apple Watch will save you from brain cancer. <laughs> You're like a you're you're like a what is it um uh cookie trackers in a browser. If I just look at the Apple Watch, it's like, hey, you need an Apple Watch. You need an Apple Watch. <laughs> I I know, and 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 in all seriousness, and I I appreciate the concern, and I'm really thankful to have friends like you in my life. But in all seriousness, I have a couple other things I need to allocate resources to at this point. No, for I'm sure. not doing enough things. I'm not doing enough things in the wild. I haven't I haven't gone on a hike in almost seven or eight months wow george and yeah i know it's ridiculous i might be going out to joshua tree in a month and a half there with a go. couple of friends of mine so maybe maybe prior to that i will get a uh i will get an apple watch just don't crack your screen when you're on the rock yeah that's a big <laughs> issue i will say though if you do go out and hiking and this is just a, P a psa get a gps tracker on you um garmin yeah. makes one x spot makes one or spot x I, I, I keep forgetting if it's Spot X or X Spot, but they're like GPS trackers. 
Um, I think they're like $250 to $400. You can find them on eBay for less or for more. I don't know anymore. Um, and you pay the, you pay the service. I think it's like $25 for the year and then 15 bucks for the month. And you get service anywhere in the world. That's awesome. You get service anywhere in the world. That's worth it. If you, if you're traveling a lot, it is incredibly fast and incredibly powerful because it is a whopping 150 kilobytes per second oh look at that as the <laughs> kilobytes you can send three text messages in the span of 10 minutes no but seriously <laughs> it's you know for let's say 250 dollars plus like 40 dollars in in service fees to have that peace of mind to go into like hiking and everything i this is something actually now that i'm on this rant actually this is something i would like to see in the apple watch yeah if they have a feature, it doesn't have to be in every Apple Watch, but if they have it in like a a hiker's edition or a traveler's edition, if they had something to connect to, it's called the Iridium Network. If you have the ability to connect to the Iridium Network, you would have the ability to have service anywhere in the world, Antarctica, uh, the Northwest Territories of Canada. Uh, if you happen to find yourself in the fallout regions of Siberia, <laughs> you will have, if you happen to like skydive in the middle of the Ser- the Serengeti where there's no cell service for miles, you will have service with the Iridium network. So maybe that's an Apple Watch Series 10. I don't know. But um, yeah, Brom, you're right. I do need to pick up an Apple Watch relatively soon. It says there is an app called Iridium Go available on the app stores exclusively for Apple Watch, which enables users to connect over Wi-Fi and make calls. That doesn't sound very oh, valuable. Oh, y- yeah. So, so that is an accessory to having my satellite phone. So it means because my my phone will make a Wi-Fi hotspot, my satellite phone. Mm-hmm. So I do I do have access to the internet through it, but again at a whopping 150 kilobytes a second, it's nothing to sneeze. It's nothing to uh, write home about. Well, it's interesting because back with the series two, we saw the introduction of uh, Apple Watch GPS. Not so not necessarily cellular enabled, but Apple Watch GPS, and that uses you know nearby signals, including just Bluetooth emissions from other people's devices, to try to pinpoint. Um, your Apple Watch, and that's really good for runs and stuff. But as soon as you go off the grid, you need something more robust like like Iridium, which you're talking about. So that's that's a that's a cool analysis of that. That might be in the future yeah. for Series Ten. Hopefully, hopefully that would that right there would make it a game changing feature for people who do who travel a lot because on the Iridium network, all you have to do is pay like eighty bucks a month, and you have unlimited messaging. Now, George, th- there's a mysterious iPad case that has surfaced at Target. Are you aware of this, George? Uh, I am <laughs> familiar with it, but let go through, go over the details and see if there's something I miss. All right. So this guy, he was on Reddit, I believe. He was on Reddit, and he posted a picture of a spec. It's, this is a very notable brand. It's a spec case for. New, this is all it says verbatim. It says, quote, new iPad 11 inch 2021, end quote. That's all it says. It's an antimicrobial case. So this is indicating new iPad. It's 11 inches and it's coming out this year. So these, these may be the new iPads we're expecting, right? But this guy goes, oh my God, this is a case for an unreleased iPad. So he tries to buy it. He takes it to the kiosk. 
and the person at the kiosk says, I can't let you buy this yet. The machine's telling me I can't let you check out until April 6th with this. So is this revealing to us, uh, you know, when the product itself will launch or is this a case embargo? I'm thinking the latter. It's an embargo on the cases um, because if we have something launching on the 23rd, historically what we've seen Apple do is either they, we wait a week it's pre-order that day, and then we wait a week until we can buy it, or, or until it delivers, until it gets here. Um, or you can order it right away, not even pre-order, order right away and have it shipped to you that day right after the keynote. So I doubt that April 6th is the launch date for these iPads. However, Apple does have a track record dating back to when they released the iPhone 10R and then the 10S. Sorry, the iPhone 10S and then the 10R. Um, way back when in 2018, um, they released the most more expensive models first. That way people that are thinking about maybe leveling up to the pro will spend more money. So we've seen Apple do this before. So March is a good year for iPads, right? We know this. What if Apple releases three iPads? You know, what if there's, you know, an iPad Pro with mini LED and an iPad Pro 11 inch with standard LED, and then the iPad mini pro. How do you segment that out? How do you get people to go that are maybe on the fence thinking about leveling it up, buying the more expensive version? What do you do? You segment it out just like they did with the iPhone XR um, and the iPhone 12 this year. They did that too. They released the, the 12 before the 12 Pro Max. So you may see the pro models are available directly after the event. Or, or soon after, within a week, and then maybe the lower end, just an iPad, maybe, because it just says iPad, iPad 11 inch 2021. Maybe we're seeing uh, a screen increase, a spec increase there, moving from the 10.2 inch to an 11 inch form factor. But that would make the, the lineup really confusing because if you have just an entry level iPad that's 11 inches, then now the iPad Air, which is supposed to be a step up, it's supposed to be the iPad Almost Pro, is only 10.9 inches. So they're virtually the same size, but a little bit less. It's It kind of makes the lineup really confusing. All I know is that some dude tried to buy an iPad case and was denied. I'm not going to make any assumptions off of just this one event. Are, or just are a, we getting too into the weeds here, George? We're dude, getting too excited if I'm for the telling event. You, <laughs> If I'm if I'm telling you we're getting too into the weeds, I think we're getting too into the weeds with this case. Okay, all ah, right. Ah, there you go with this okay. case. With the this that <laughs> might be the case, George. Yes, indeed. That may in fact be the case. We have a very special segment for you, George. It's a segment all about you. It's called Get to Know the Pro. Oh my goodness, my ego is going to be fed now. Let's see how we can do this. All right. Let's see how we do this. I'm going to ask you a series of 10 questions. You're going to try to answer them as fast as you can. There's really no time to think. you got to answer them right on the spot, George. Are you ready? Uh, I think so. Let's do okay, it. Okay, number one. Two of them have to go. iPhone, iPad, or Mac. Two of them must go. Ooh. Oh, 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 man. Okay, two of them have to go. Uh, obviously, I would pick... Oh my gosh, that's harder than it is. All right, you know what? Forget it, forget it, forget it. I'm just going to stick with, I'm going to get rid of iPhone and Mac. Oh, okay. Number two, silver, space gray, or gold? Mm, whichever's cheapest. 
trackpad that's or mouse? That's true immigrant mentality. That, by the side note here, that's true immigrant mentality right here. If you ever notice people who are from other countries and they come and live in the United States and they want to buy a nice car, they will buy it in the, the, the cheapest color or the most <laughs> ugly color possible. That is not because we are cheap. It's because we're it's smart. It's Apple, we're George. The they're all the same price. You got to pick one. We can't get into the weeds, George. Ah. You got to go. Silver, space, gray, right. or gold. Uh, 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 shoot, space gray. Okay, trackpad or mouse? Trackpad, 100%. If it's on Apple, trackpad. Would you rather live without Wi-Fi for a year or have an iPad mini be the only device you're allowed to use for six months? It's, it is a cellular model. Oh, dude, easy. Uh, without Wi-Fi for a year. You just use your iPad as the hotspot? No, I would just use Ethernet. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Assuming Ethernet doesn't work, which one do you choose? I would still use, you know what? I need a social media detox. I will say that. So when I get back, I have a quarter million followers. Okay, we'll run with that. Spotify or Apple Music? Ooh, man, I use Apple Music right now, but I'm going to have to go with Spotify. One has to go, Instagram or Reddit? Instagram. I love Reddit. Really? You're a, po you're a photo guy, man. Come on. Yeah, but here's the thing is there are actual communities on Reddit that have great photographers. Okay, okay. So it's different. It's different. Like Instagram, it's all about the lights. Aux cable or Bluetooth all the things? Aux cable. The reliability of the aux cable is unbeat, is unmatched. Okay, still today that holds. AirPods Max, yes. win or fail? You have to pick definitively. Fail. Fail? Ouch. Number nine, Pages or Microsoft Word? This is second to the last. Pages? Or pages, okay. pages, pages, 100%. Pages. Number 10, your 10th and final question, Apple TV remote, yay or nay? <laughs> yay. Yay. I'm going to go with yay. Okay. I'm going to go with yay on that one. Cool. So now we, that's our last segment. We've reached the end of the show, but I do want to dissect a few things. Why are AirPods Max a fail, George? Uh, in my opinion, because I have actually worn them. I have a friend of mine who got some. They're just too heavy. Too heavy? They're just too heavy. And I know, I know, oh, big deal. Just work out your neck muscles. <laughs> no, that's not, that, that's not the point. When I'm listening to music, I want to listen and appreciate the music. You're going you're gonna to judge me for this. But I recently picked up a pair of in-ear monitors from, uh, what are these? Uh, from Shure. These are wired, traditional, old-fashioned uh, in-ear monitors. These things are comfortable. They sound amazing. And I love them. I use them on shoots and I use them for myself for listening purposes. But when you, I wear the, you know, AirPods Max, you know that they're there and you know that you're, you're wearing them. So you wouldn't recommend them for working for like something, working with video for prolonged periods of time, but leisure listening, you would like, you would say, uh, not, not even see that gets tricky because like <laughs> I for leisure listening, maybe durability wise, these things are off the charts. They're they're built to last forever. Heck yeah. But but as far as like using them for like even if I'm in my studio and I want to listen to music, I don't know, dude, I might even I might just pick the uh, the in-ear monitors over the AirPods Max. I don't know. Why? Why did you answer the way you did for the Apple TV remote? You said it was fine. Yeah, I think it's fine because there's, there's voice control on it, so you don't have to worry about typing. If I wanted, if I wanted a GameCube controller on it, <laughs> I would have modified it with a keyboard and a GameCube controller. So, what do you say to people that say that it's too, it's it's too finicky, it's too sensitive? You saying just do voice? I'd either just do voice or use your phone. 
There you go. <laughs> that's that's the hard one. People get upset when we talk about the remote on this show. I get I, I get don't know tweets. Why. I get tweets. <laughs> these these people these people have nothing better to do. Oh my I'm God, sorry. George. They yeah, I know they, I'm not going to now I'm not going to be allowed ever. They, they did one <laughs> thing right. They watched our show. So ah so okay there you go. okay there you go. I'm sorry for insulting you. I'm not hundred percent. You know team apple tv remote here i you know it, it has its issues um so for context i have an we only have an apple tv from 2012 so the new remotes i don't have one yet but you've but you've experienced them oh yeah the touch one yeah, yeah. yeah i've experienced it okay so where can the people find you george now that we've reached the end of our show uh, they can find me at GWPhotographE on Instagram, or they can check out my work at FigTreeCinemas.com. That's where I do a lot of my professional work. I'm still overhauling the website. I don't know if I mentioned this last time I was on, but I'm still overhauling it. There's a lot of there's a lot of little stuff in the back end that you have to fix, a lot of stuff that I got to take care of, and I got to make sure that all my work shows. There you go. So if you go, at, if you go on to FigTreeCinemas or GWPhotographE, you'll be able to find me there. And also, it's the same thing on Twitter, Facebook instagram all that jazz i love it go ahead and say hi to george guys over on social media you can find me i recommend the best way to reach me would be twitter of course it's twitter and it's very easy it's at bromshank that's b-r-a-h-m-s-h-a-n-k it's at bromshank drop in and say hi send in your questions for the show we'll answer them on the next episode george thank you so much for joining in thank you for unwrapping the tech of today with me and my fellow i friends my app philosophers thank you so much Always a pleasure to be on the show, bro. <laughs> we'll see you guys next week. Take care, George. Take care.